0: Welcome to our sermon. I am Pastor Nathan Escarraga, and I am sure that God will speak to you through his word today. Communion is for us to remind us. And there has been communion going on for 2,000 years. And uh, Paul, he was not there at that first communion Uh, just before Jesus went to the cross as he was with his disciples. But he received from the Lord. He says, for I've received from the Lord that which I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This is my body which was broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Remember to take communion. Remember my body that was broken for you. We'll see why this morning. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do, as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. There's a remembrance, a reminder, when we take the cup of the Lord, that it is for us to remember what He did for us on the cross 2,000 years ago, and what it accomplishes in our lives today, 2,000 years later. It was already done. It was already completed. It's not like the Lord has to do it again, and so we take communion to remember what He did for us 2,000 years ago. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till He comes. That there would be a continual reminder to us until the coming of the Lord. The Lord is coming soon. And in the meantime, the Lord desires for us to have life. And this covenant that he made with us, this is the cup. The, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. A new testament. You say for what reason this reminder and this this new covenant well it says in hebrews 13 verse 20 it says now may the god of peace who brought up our lord jesus from the dead that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant make you complete in every good work to do his will working in you what is well-pleasing in His sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the summary of the entire book of Hebrews, the letter to the Hebrews, and it's summarized in these two verses. The fact that God's will for your life be accomplished, So Jesus died through the blood of the everlasting covenant, his body that was broken, his blood shed for us, to make us complete, to make you complete, to make me complete in every good work, to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever, amen. So be it, let it be. Hallelujah. The Lord has plans for you, he has a purpose for you. Hallelujah! Today, I, I just want to entitle this message: "Help! I'm drowning." Is it, has ever that has that ever happened to you that you were drowning? Anybody that you were you were drowning? Okay, so a number of you got to that place. Listen, <laughs> there's two times in my life where I felt or I knew that I was, if something didn't happen, I would drown. The first time I was just a little guy. I shared this before. I'm, I'm in this huge. I think it was uh, in Dunville at the, the park there, and they had this big pool. I don't know if some of you know the, that big pool. I don't know if it's still there. But it was sort of dug out, and 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 it just you could walk in, like from your from nothing and just walk in like a like a beach but it was man made it was a pool and i can remember <laughs> i don't know what came on this this kid some teenager i didn't know this this kid from a hole in the ground and this guy came up to me i'm like i think 5 or 6 years of age i can't swim and even if i could swim it wouldn't have helped This kid just came, grabbed me by the the head and put my head down and he was holding me under the water. Like, when I think back, it's like, this is crazy. Like, who does that? I didn't know this kid. He didn't, we weren't playing together. And he was, yeah, I don't know, 12, 13 years of age, a lot stronger than I was because he was able to keep my head under the water. And there's hundreds of people around, Nobody saw anything or it didn't seem like anybody saw anything. And I was up to maybe uh, my waist or up to here and, in the water. And so he just came and put my head under and he held me, my head under. And I can remember, I'm losing, I can't breathe. And am I going don't, to, I don't know if death was crossing my mind, but I, I was frantic. Every, when you're drowning, you, get, you become frantic. The second time, it was like I'm, I'm drowning. Uh, we were, once again, the things you do as kids, a little bit older. And uh, we decided, hey, we, we don't have a motorboat, so we're going to do some uh, body skiing or surfing or whatever. And so we were up on Manitoulin Island. They have this, these government docks where you can launch your boats. And this, this government dock went right out into the lake and it got deep fairly quickly. So at the end of the dock, the water was well over my head. In fact, it would I would say it'd probably be eight or nine feet at the end of the dock. And so what we had done, we got a ski rope with a ski handle on the end. And we were taking turns. Now, I don't know, if Andrew, if you remember this. Maybe not, you were younger. Uh, And uh, so my cousin and maybe, or whoever else, there's two or three of us, maybe Ernie, myself, and and Greg, um, the two others would grab or hold the rope and and run along the government dock, and the other person's out in the water skiing, right? (laughs) Makes sense. So we're going back and forth and everything is good and I, it's, it's my turn and I'm out there and I'm in the water and uh, so I'm holding on. And I, I wasn't a great swimmer at that point in time but I'm okay. So I, I grab a hold of the ski rope and uh, it was probably Ernie and Greg, they start pulling me and running along the dock pulling me. Well, my mouth, is open. Next thing I know, I am sucking back water and I cannot breathe because my, it went right into my lungs and I'm going That, That feeling of not being able to breathe. And I can remember there was some lady out on a, on an air mattress. And so I'm further. I'm like we're. I'm out. I don't know, 50 feet or, or so from the dock. And I can remember. Just, it did not matter. You do whatever, you can to save yourself. And I'm just. I, I just, I went right, I didn't know who this lady was, but I am on top of that mattress, and I don't care who's on there. I need to get out. I need to get oxygen. And I don't know exactly know what happened, but uh, yeah, at one point then, it just, I I got some air, and, and uh, I'm here today. Thank God. I'm here. I survived. To be drowning. I don't know about you, but it is... You may be at a point today where you feel like you're drowning. And there's this thing, help. The first thing is when you're going down, there's whatever you can to keep yourself alive, but also this aspect of of attempting to get the help of somebody. Can somebody help me? Can somebody help me? Can somebody get me out of this situation? And you may be in that boat. Last night I got I got this text. I was getting ready for bed. It was just before 12 and I get this text from an individual who doesn't go to this church. But basically there was an indication, a plea, I am drowning. We spent the next, I don't know, half an hour or so until he says, "You know what? I'm drunk and I'm tired." There was an appreciation of the connection going back and forth and during that whole time I'm pointing this individual back to Jesus. Had given their life to the Lord a few years back. Alcohol had totally devastated this individual. Had everything, literally had everything and has nothing now and there is this thing of drowning and so he's calling out to the to an individual that that hopefully you can help me listen we can help people as we turn them to the Lord because it is only the Lord without the Lord we are finished it doesn't matter how good our lives may be without the Lord we are finished it is only the Lord that can, can pull us out of the water. Hallelujah. He is able. In Matthew 14, we read of this account from, of, of, of Jesus. And this is why I'm, I'm just saying, it was just amazing. One of the, the first lines of the song, I think it was the last song. You're the one that walked on the water. You're the one that walked on the water. And this account here It's interesting that the other two accounts, in John, I think, and Mark, don't say a word about Peter walking on the water. Only, Only Matthew writes about the fact that Peter walked on the water. They see Jesus walking on the water. They don't say anything about Peter almost drowning. Matthew, his view, of Jesus is he is Lord of everything. As you read through Matthew, he is king. He is Lord of everything, even to the point when you are drowning. And listen, you may not be drowning physically, but you might be at a place, place where you're drowning emotionally, or you're drowning financially, you're drowning uh, spiritually, whatever it may be. And you're, it's like, I need someone to help me. You may be a believer this morning, and you're in that place. You're drowning this morning. I'm saying grab a hold of Jesus. As a pastor, I would point you to Jesus. As a brother in the Lord, I would point you to Jesus because you might get out of your situation, but without Jesus, none of us will make it. We need Jesus, and he is able to sustain us. Matthew 14, verse 22 says, Immediately... Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. And while he sent them, while he sent the multitudes away. So this is just before the, the uh, five loaves and two fish and the, the, the multitudes being fed. And so he told the disciples, hey, go cross. I'm going to deal with the multitudes. It's like, I'll catch up with you. I, I guess they were trying to think, they, they might've been thinking like, how is this going to work? And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. I just, I just want to make a quick point here. With the Lord, it does, he does not say that our lives will not be without difficulty, that we won't have any difficulty, that there won't be any storms. And in fact, it was Jesus that said, hey, go across, go across." We're talking about the sea. I, I want you to go to the other side. It was Jesus that said, go. And the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And I'll tell you right now, you may be serving the Lord or you may be going through different things and and things are contrary. Some of it may be of your own making. Sometimes it's not of your making. There's an attack of the enemy. Sometimes the storms of life, they come and things are contrary. Now, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid, and, be, and beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? I'll tell you this morning, as we, and I, as I was having interaction yesterday, last night, there was this need to continually pull around, focus on the Lord, focus on the Lord. When we stop focusing on the Lord, when we've got other things, and sometimes it's not, we may not see it as a storm, we might say, well, this is a good thing, and we get sidetracked, and I'll tell you right now, we start to go down because we're doing stuff without the Lord, we're doing life without the Lord. And it's not, he's not, well, hey, I'm, he's there and he's going to watch over me. I'm going to be fine, whatever. And we do our own thing. Oh, you have little faith. Your faith is somewhere else. It's not in the Lord. And we start to go down. And it may not be in the, in the physical sense so much as it is in the spiritual sense. And you are drowning Spiritually. You are dying spiritually. And sometimes it, 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 we don't know exactly the point where it takes place, but there's this dying that is taking place spiritually. And you may even feel it or sense it. It's like, you know what? Lord or God, there is, there is not the trust. There is not the faith. There is not the connection. There is not the relationship like there should be. The Lord is, it's just very casual. And, we, and sometimes we don't even realize it, that we're beginning to sink. Peter immediately says, Lord, save me. So he's looking at the, the, the waves, he's looking at the, the things coming against him. And I'll, I'll just say this. Over the years, sailing, used to sail. I understand in our little lakes that we have, let's not even talk about the ocean, but even in the little lakes called the Great Lakes, I can easily remember waves 10 feet tall easily. And so you go down, you go to the crest of one and you go down in between the two crests of two waves and all you see, you don't see anything of land. You just see the wave. In our lives, that's oftentimes the case. It seems like when we're on the top of the crest, we can see everything's okay, and then we go down. And we're down in between. We don't see anything, and all we see is the the thing in front of us that seems to be so daunting and so big. How am I going to get out of this? It could have been that that was the case for, for Peter. That he lost sight of the Lord between two waves. And he realized, this is, this is, I'm walking on water, this is insane. And even as he loses sight of the Lord, he starts to sink. Peter could swim, we know he could swim. But I'll tell you, the storm must have been so extreme that, these, that Peter is recognizing this is not good. He was an experienced fisherman. He spent his life on the water. And I'm sure this is not the first time that he was in a bad way. And here he is now. He's not in the boat. He's out of the boat. Lord, save me. I like what it says, immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And I'll tell you right now. I don't know what storm you're going through, but as your faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will get through it. As your faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will get through it. When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. There's a worship of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Son of God. He is sovereign. He is able to keep you through any and every situation. This is a physical situation that was happening. And I'm not saying that the Lord only does work in the physical areas, but I'll tell you right now, not only in the physical areas does he keep us safe. I had uh, things happen so quickly, sometimes, out of your control. I have, I have a long sleeve shirt on today. It's a little bit cooler out there. I've got a, I've got a, a scrape on my forearm. And it's not so much the scrape that's a problem. It's, it's more the bruise. Guys were, we were working on the studio. It happened so fast. A a section as we were cutting out the floor, taking out one of the floors for the studio. And a piece that I thought was solid wasn't. And have you ever, it's like I was just stepping as onto something solid. And it's not solid. And so my whole weight was on it. I went down so fast. I thought I was going to, I was on the last, we had already cut out more than half, or three quarters of the the floor was already out. And so there's a little patch left, a quarter left. And was cutting out the last, or the the next uh, joist with the, the floorboards across. We're cutting it out. There's about a seven foot drop. I could have gone over the edge. The Lord does help us physically. I went down. I landed on the, the last joist and, and some of the floorboards that were there. Landed on my arm so hard. I thought, is my arm broken? And my, my head came forward. You can see right here is a spot. And there... There was a cut here, just a slight cut, came down so hard on my my arm and on my head as I just went down and fell forward. I I I just went like this. I felt to where my head had impacted. I had my glasses on. I why my these I had these glasses on. I, I don't understand how they're even that nothing popped, the lens didn't pop out, the frame didn't break, nothing. I'm telling you, the Lord watches over us. Even in our, hey, I'm not planning on doing anything foolish, and I kept saying to the guys, watch, 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 saying to Peter, watch where you're stepping, because there's some sections that were were cut years ago, 20, almost, well, 15, 16 years ago, with the machine and had cut through sections. We covered over those sections that were we're cut through. This, this room was just a, it was not really, a, that floor wasn't even used. It was more like a storage area for things. We never went up in that area. Here we are working on it. But the Lord watches over us. So even as I touched, I'm thinking, oh my goodness. I was thinking, I do not want to go to the hospital. It wasn't so much about getting stitches. I don't care about stitches. It was the length of time that I would have to wait before I got the stitches. I don't want to be in the hospital for six hours. And I'm thinking, oh, that's wet. I see blood on my hand. And uh, just happened to be a little scratch here. No stitches required. I moved my arm. Okay, thank God nothing's broken. It took me five minutes just to lay down on my back as I, I'm a little bit fuzzy. Got back to work because the Lord watches over us. So the, the Lord watches over us physically. But I'll tell you right now, sometimes there's things that go on in our life that we're not talking physical. We're talking our own flesh. Our own flesh. And Paul writes about this. Our flesh that will cause us, if we allow it. Listen, folks, church, our flesh needs to be crucified. If our flesh is allowed to reign, it is contrary to the Holy Spirit. Your flesh is contrary to the spirit. There's going to be a battle that goes on, and if you let your flesh reign, it will always do the things that are contrary to God. And some of you, some of us, we, we get through to that place where our faith is, our eyes are off Jesus, and we get to a place where we start to drown. Because our flesh is in control. The old man, the old nature, and that which is contrary to God is in charge. And it is, you know you're drowning. You will do whatever it takes to justify your position. I'm okay. I still, hey, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. And your flesh is in control. In Romans 7, I want to talk about this thing about the flesh, and we need help when it comes to the flesh. It says, Romans seven thirteen. has then what is good become death to me? He's talking about the law. The law is good. The law tells us what we should or shouldn't do for our well-being. So what is good? Has it become death to me? Certainly not. But sin, that it might appear sin, to be exposed, was producing death in me through what is good, so that sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. Unless you know that you're, hey, there's no, there's, there's some areas that you would say, hey, there's there's no speed limit here, so you're just going to go whatever speed limit. Most cities now, they have a blanket thing as you're coming into a city, The speed limit is 50 kilometers per hour, unless otherwise posted. And so we see the sign that says, hey, this is the speed limit, 50 kilometers per hour. So when we're going over, there's an an exceeding, what does it say here? It talks about through the commandment that sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. There's an awareness of it because of the, the law, because of the commands that the Lord gave when we step out of line, we have the Ten Commandments, and there's many more. In fact, the New Testament, there's probably around a thousand commandments that are given for our well-being. for, for there's signs saying, "Hey, don't do this," and when we or do this and when we don't do the things that we should do or do the things that we shouldn't do, we become aware of the fact because of the law that says or the commandment that says the commandment is good. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will or desire to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. So there's, there's something going on here. He says, if then I do what I will not to do or don't want to do, I agree with the law that it is good. There's an agreement. Hey, I shouldn't. The law says don't do this. And I, I don't want to do it. But I'm doing something that I don't want to do. The law is good. But now it is no longer I who does it, but sin that dwells in me. There's something within me in the flesh that is contrary to the, the, the law of God, to the Spirit of God. For I know that in me, that he is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will, or to do what is right, is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. How am I going to perform what is good? I, I'm trying in my own strength, and I can't do it. Now, if I do what I will not to do, Or don't want to do. It is no longer I who does it. But sin that dwells in me. There's something within us. In the flesh. If the flesh is allowed. To have control. I find then a law. That evil is present with me. The one who desires or wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God. According to the inward man. My inward man says. The law of the Lord is good. But I see another law in my members. In my physical body. In my flesh. Warring Against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. So, two laws. And I just want to say this today, recognize that as you have knowledge of who Jesus is and what he did for you on the cross as we take communion, that in him we overcome. We have the flesh. Is put down and can be put down but there's a knowledge and we choose then how we're gonna go and what we're going to do we choose so with our mind if we go according to the flesh and yesterday this individual I'll tell you that the 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 bondage of alcohol truly says in Ephesians it says don't be drunk with wine where in his excess but be filled with the Holy Spirit don't be drunk with wine. That's, this is of the, of the world. And it's not just of the world. It is, is demonic. A different spirit. It's interesting that the, the strongest wines are called spirits. And truly it is a spirit that Satan says, Here, I, wanna, I want you to ease your pain. I want you to... You're go, you, you, you've lost this or you're hurting here, ease your pain. Let me give you a, my spirit. Let me give you something. I'll tell you right now, that is how Satan works. Let me ease you from your pain and your suffering. And so we get to this place where this individual is, is crying out for help. I need help. And he's been relying, he's, he's been listening to the lie, and he's been re- allowing his flesh. He doesn't want to do it, but his flesh craves. And so he's in, there's this warring against the law of my mind, which says, hey, this is not the way to go. Bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members, which, which is in the flesh. O oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Who is going to deliver me? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Listen, you may be struggling with stuff and you know you're drowning. You know you're not in the right place. And the Lord is saying, it is through Jesus Christ that you will have the, the salvation to come out of that place. Now listen, Look. listen to the next sentence. So then, with the mind i myself serve the law of god but with the flesh the law of sin if you're going to allow your flesh to dictate you will drown but if you choose with your mind with the knowledge that you have jesus can save me peter cried out and he said lord save me the lord will save you from anything that may be causing you to drown There is nothing that he cannot set you free from. I'll tell you, this world is so good. And even in the church, it has come to the point, well, you know what? Maybe you need some group therapy. Maybe you need this. Maybe you need a little bit of medication. And we grab a hold of some of these things where it is a spiritual matter and it's not a thing that is physical by any means. You cannot deal with the spiritual with a tablet or with a, with a bottle or whatever it may be, whatever justification we may take, we will drown. That we would do what Peter says, Lord, save me. Lord, help me. I'm drowning and there's a turning to him. Hallelujah, praise God. I want you to turn to Isaiah 53. I'll tell you, when it comes to what we believe and the report, Paul is writing, this is the situation I am in. So, so many say, commentaries and or other theologians would say, this is Paul before he got saved. I'm telling you, this is not Paul before he got saved. This was Paul with his eyes off the Lord. Before we're saved, we don't stand a chance. Without the Lord Jesus Christ, you can be a very good person, you're gonna go to hell. I don't care how good you are, we've all sinned and we fall short of the standard of God, the glory of God, and we can only have salvation in and through Jesus Christ. Isaiah 53, verse 12. I started off with this verse this morning, this service. And this, I want to start off with this one. And then I want you to grab a hold of the other verses. And I'm going to go through it quickly. I'll pause it at certain spots. It says, therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great. This is God Almighty speaking. Speaking about his son, Jesus, therefore I, the father, will divide him, Jesus, a portion with the great. In fact, in Philippians 2, we read that because he went to the cross, because he went to the cross, he died and he rose again, and his name, it says his name is above every name And at his name, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Let that be our confession. Jesus, you have saved me and you are Lord in my life. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great. In fact, he is above all. And he shall divide. Listen, listen. And he, the Lord Jesus, shall divide the spoil with the strong. He will divide the spoil with the strong. What is a spoil? A spoil. We're talking about after if you go into a battle, into a war, and when the war is won. For instance, there is a war here in Canada. Over the centuries, the French had come here in the 1600s, and it wasn't. I, I believe it was in the late 1700s that the British decided, you know what, hey, let's see. There's battles going on for territory, for lands, for resources, and all this kind of stuff. And there, so there was a battle, and the, the British won, and the spoils of the war was this, we have control now, and so we, we will take the resources, not just of your land or whatever. You guys can stay where you're at, but this, it's under our control now. There were battles that were fought to take control, and there were spoils of war. The spoils of war is all that comes as a result of being victors in the war. And it says, he. there was a battle that was fought for your soul and mine, the greatest moment in history, in all of history from the time that time began till the time it'll end, that time will end, the greatest moment in history is the moment that Jesus died for you and me. And that's why he says, remember. Remember my body that was broken, my blood that was shed for you. And in it, there's a dividing of the spoil of the victory that he won for us so that we can have it as well as in, hey, what he won and overcame, we can overcome as well. He overcame death. He overcame hell. He overcame the things where we would struggle in our flesh, we can overcome as well. Why? Let me read it again. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great. In fact, he is above all, Jesus. And he shall divide the spoil with the strong. You are strong. Listen to the next few few lines here of this verse. Because he poured out his soul unto death and he was numbered with the transgressors and he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors, for you and me, that our faith would be there. And then we, it says here, it says, the spoil with the strong. Your strength will increase. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he says, there was a thorn put in my flesh." He was dealing with spiritual pride. Lest I become puffed up because of all the things that have been revealed to me, all the different things going on, the spiritual things and all of this. And he says, pride was could have crept in and, and, and so that I wouldn't become prideful. A messenger of Satan came to buffet and three times I asked the Lord to take the thorn out of my side and then the Lord says my grace is sufficient for you my strength is made perfect in weakness i want you to know this morning you might be drowning and you might be my flesh is overcoming the lord is saying my strength is made perfect in your weakness, and the power that I have to overcome, and I overcame, it's already been done, is yours for the taking as you grab a hold by faith. It says in verse 1, Isaiah 53, verse 1, and this is the crux of this whole chapter Who has believed our report? Who will believe what is going to be spoken now? Who will believe it? Jesus, as Peter was sinking, as he raised him up, he says, Oh, you of little faith, don't you know who I am? Don't you know what I can do in your situation, in your life? I can take you through it. I can get you out of it. You do not have to be bound. Your flesh is not supposed to be dictating, but that your flesh would be crucified. It comes down to who will believe this report. This Isaiah 53. Amazing. Do you know that Isaiah has 66 chapters in it? Do you know how many books are in the Bible? 66. Do you know how... Isaiah is split into two different sections. The, ver- the first 39, I'll tell you, there's a tone, and I'll tell you, it's, it, we're talking judgment. But when you start to read from 40 to 66, we're talking 27 chapters. You say 40 to 66, that's only 26. But you include number 40, it's 27 chapters. Of those last 27 chapters, Isaiah 53 is dead smack in the middle, and it hit me years ago. I did a, I did a whole series. It took an entire year Sunday mornings. Started with Isaiah 53, then I went to Isaiah 40, and then to 66, and then 41 to 65, 42, 64, and I came back to Isaiah 53 is center. 700 years before Jesus came. And here's the report. It says, who has believed the report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Who is going to have and grab a hold of the arm of the Lord that is reaching out? Peter did the right thing. Lord, save me. Get me out of this situation. I'm saying to you, if you are drowning in your flesh, is causing you to be overwhelmed. Lord, I'm crying out to you. I'm turning to you. You are the only one that can take me out of the situation. For goodness sake, believe this report that will be read and whom, to whom the arm of the Lord will be extended to. It is as we believe the report. What is the report? For he shall grow up before him, for Jesus shall grow up before the Father as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. So he was not a, Jesus was not a handsome man. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. You know what? There's people, there's men that have followings just because they have good looks. (laughs) They may not be, you know, or they may have some, a little bit of charisma with their good looks. Next thing you know, you have people following them. There's no beauty that we should desire him. Jesus, can you really help me? He is despised and rejected by men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Now, some of it might have been around the fact that he was on the cross and there's just like, oh, I can't even look. But I'll tell you right now, there's a rejecting here. Yes, despised and rejected, we don't esteem, we don't don't recognize the value of Jesus in our lives. We're not recognizing him and what he can do. And so we go on. We go on with our our own attempts to to pull ourselves out of the drowning situation. And so he's despised. He's not esteemed by us. We hide our face from him. We don't look to him. We look somewhere else. Jesus, save me. Jesus, I'm looking to you. Now, surely he has borne our griefs. This word griefs means sickness. He has borne our sickness. Are we talking physically? I am talking about your physical sickness. The Lord has borne it. He has carried it. It's been put upon him. And he's carried our sorrows. This word in the Hebrew means pain. Physical and pain mental. If you are going through physical and mental pain, the Lord has carried it. He's basically saying, I can sustain you through it or even take you out of it. We want to be taken out. We want to be saved. Either way, the Lord, he'll either keep us through it or he will take us out of it. Our sickness and our sorrows, our our, our physical and mental pain. I'll tell you, Sometimes it's the chronic pain that is worse than just being sick. When we're sick, it's like, okay, I'll get over this. But when it's chronic pain or when there's a continued mental anguish, Lord, are you be able to get us out of it? And oftentimes we get to this point, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. And that's the point that we get to. That At times you say, well, the Lord isn't, is, can't get me through this. God, the Father, has stricken the Lord Jesus. Has been, he's been smitten by God. He's been afflicted. Actually, the Father allowed for it to happen. And in fact, Jesus was right in with it, and the Holy Spirit from before time began, they knew that Jesus would go to the cross. He said, I'm going. So that man can have free will to choose salvation or not. And I'm not talking just spiritually, but I'm talking about every aspect of our life and we hide our face from him we don't look to him that we would look to him we need to look to him it says but he was wounded he was pierced through for our transgressions now the amazing thing is and i didn't realize i just i just found this out tomorrow this this morning i only found this out this morning the word transgression this word in the the hebrew listen it says It means transgression or rebellion. It means basically sin against God, against individuals. But against God, there are four points, four points when it comes to transgression against God. So whatever it may be in general, whatever it may be, sin against God. And there's a, trans, it's, there's a recognition, there needs to be a recognition by the sinner of a transgression. And thirdly, so whatever the sin may be, there's a recognition by the sinner. Hey, this is not right. The third part is that God deals with it. He dealt with it 2,000 years ago. And number four, that he forgives us as our faith is there. I couldn't believe it. This is all part of the word pesha, or peshah. In the in the Hebrew is the Lord has already if we recognize where we're at and we cry out to the Lord The Lord is saying I will forgive you and I've already taken care of it. You will get through it transgression sin You're struggling with temptation and you keep sinning over and over and that you would look to the Lord We try different things listen 20 years ago, I would have said, you know what? You need to pray more. You need to read the word of God more. You need to be in the house of the Lord. All of these different things. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. All of these different things. I'm telling you, when it comes to transgression, there is only one thing that takes care of transgression in our life, our sin in our life, and that is Jesus Christ. And as we recognize it as sin, listen, our flesh will say, no, 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 it's not sin. And there's a justification of our behavior. It's not sin. And so we push Jesus aside when we recognize, Lord, there is sin in my life. And it is causing me to stumble. It is causing me not to have your will fulfilled in my life. The plans and purposes that you have for us, it's it's just, they're on hold. But as we recognize where we are at, we are a sinner. And as we recognize that God is the only one that can d- deal with it through Jesus Christ, and as we turn to Jesus Christ, he forgives and takes care of it. That's why we have communion. We recognize who Jesus is and what he did for us on the, on the cross, his body that was broken, his blood shed for us. So he was Wounded for our transgressions. I thought this little cut here, because I was sweating, I thought there was way more blood. Ah, oh, I got to go to the GNGH. I've got a six hour to ten hour wait for, for this thing. I can't afford this. That was the first thought. It was like, oh no. The other thing was, did I break my arm? I moved my arm right away. No, okay. Man, does it. There's a scrape all the way up my arm. But I'll tell you, the Lord sees us through. He was, wo- he was wounded for our transgressions, for our sin. But listen to the next thing. He was bruised for our iniquities. I cannot believe the next day, I could not even put my arm, I was driving the car and I, there's a, a, a arm armrest. I could not put my arm on the armrest because there was such pain from the bruising that was underneath. I have a, there's a scrape all the way along here. The scrape was nothing. It was the bruise that was a killer. The bruising underneath. He was bruised for our iniquities. This is, this is the, the piercing, the wounding, just a little bit. But the bruising, right here my cheek is, is puffed up, there's bruising underneath. There's bruising in my arm. The bruising that Jesus bore for us. You say, are, are you talking literally? I am speaking literally. The physical pain and suffering and torture, his body ripped and pierced, blood flowing for our transgression and for our healing. But here it says, he was bruised for our iniquities. Iniquities, what is iniquity? Perversity, depravity. The main thing, this thing of perversity. So when I looked up, well, what is perversity? A deliberate desire to behave in an unreasonable or unacceptable way. Does anybody have, I'll tell you, a tendency and you know it's wrong? You haven't sinned yet, but there's this desire to do something that you should not do. Let me read it again. That's what perversity is, a deliberate. Now, we, when we say, hey, you're, you're perverted, we, we're usually thinking of or talking about a sexual deviation. But perversity doesn't just have to do with a sexual deviation. It has, it's a deliberate desire to behave in an unreasonable and unacceptable way. And it's contrary to the things of God. And it says here that he was bruised for our iniquities. So the tendencies that you may have, that I may have, that we know are wrong, the Lord is saying, but I took care of them. Took care of them. Do you have tendencies? I know I have tendencies. I know I have areas, it's like, okay, that's, that's not right. I know that's not right. Now listen, once again, our flesh will say, no, 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 it's okay. We'll justify your iniquity, your tendencies. That's the flesh. Because the flesh is always contrary to the spirit of God, to the ways of God, and to God. And the Lord is saying, but I took care of that. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Praise God. Peace. Once again, I didn't know this. The first time I looked it up was like, wow. This peace is not just a state of mind, but it is completeness, soundness, welfare, completeness in number, safety, soundness in body, welfare, health, prosperity, peace, quiet, tranquility, contentment. And, and peace when it comes to relationships with others and peace when especially uh, with God in covenant relationship with him. Every, pretty well every aspect of your, your wealth, your life. The chastisement, the pain, the suffering that he went through was for our peace, our completeness, our soundness, our welfare, our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. Peter 1 Peter 2.24 says, we were healed. It's already been done. See, Isaiah was looking forward to it being done. Peter, as he writes in 1 Peter 2, is looking back. It had already been done. It's done. We look back to what Jesus did. It's already been done. Our welfare, done. Because my faith is it. Who will believe this report? Do you believe it? Because if you don't, the arm of the Lord is not coming and extending to you because you're, you're placing your arm and grabbing a hold of something else. He might reach out to you, but you're grabbing, Now I'm going to grab a hold of this. I'm going to grab a hold of that. I'm going to grab a hold over here. And so verse six makes perfect sense. And we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He's saying, man, I've taken care of it. And we are going like sheep astray. Stupid, stupid sheep. Stupid, stupid sheep. We go astray because we figure, I, I can do it myself. I can get out of the situation myself. Foolishness. When the Lord is saying, I've, your iniquity, your transgressions, I've put it all on him, it's taken care of, and we're going somewhere else, or we're justifying our behavior. Lord, let me get it right. And it, then it, it, he just, again, drives home the point of what he did for us. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He knew that everything they said against him was a lie. And and he knew why he was going to the cross. It was not a surprise. It was his time. He was taken from prison and from judgment and And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people, he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin. Now, in this it says, when you, uppercase you, make his soul an offering for sin. It's talking about the Father accepting the offering for sin of his Son. But I'll tell you right now, it's not just the Father. When we make the offering that he made for us, as we grab a hold of it, there's a work that can be done. He shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days. Jesus Christ rose again. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. His will will be done. But there's also a work that can be done in our lives as we grab a hold to this report. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied by his knowledge. Listen, by his knowledge, as we grab a hold of this report of who Jesus is and what he did for us, my righteous servant shall justify many. Jesus will justify many, make us to be in right standing as we grab a hold of this knowledge. For he shall bear their iniquities. He'll bear our iniquities. I started off with this verse. Therefore, I, div- I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Why? Why? because he poured out his soul unto death and he was numbered with the transgressors and he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors for us that we can overcome. I say, thank you, Lord. Our flesh put down, crucified with Christ. You say, well, what about Satan? It's in- interesting. It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The answer, the solution? Resist him, steadfast in the faith. Be steadfast in your faith in who Jesus is, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Is there some suffering? Yes. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let it be. Satan's already defeated. Don't for a second, I'll tell you, some people are just so afraid of Satan. In Revelation 12 verse 11, Actually, verse 10, it says, Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down, and they overcame him, Satan, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Praise God. Praise God. Can we stand together? I'm just gonna ask uh, Jacqueline. Jacqueline, can you, can you bring me the communion cup? And if I could ask the, uh, the worship team just to come on up here. Will you believe the report even as you're drowning? Maybe it's your flesh that you have to deal with or sin or iniquity. Trust in the Lord, believe the report and let his hand be extended to you to, to pull you up even as you cry out to him, Lord, my faith is in you, my faith is in you. To remain steadfast in the faith, hallelujah. This morning as we take communion, that there would be, if you are here this morning and your faith is just in whatever, it's not in Jesus Christ and has finished work on the cross, if it's not there, this morning, you say, Lord, forgive me. Because I know, man, man, have I, I have gone so far from you. And my, even my, my carnal thinking would say, oh, I'm still in a good standing with the Lord. And I know that I'm not. My carnal human mind would say, everything's OK. This morning you know that you're not in the right place. I just want to say to you, as we call on the name of the Lord, Jesus, save me. Jesus, help me. He is not there to say, well, sorry, you've been gone from me for too long. But rather, he's going to lift you up immediately. Immediately, he's going to lift you up and say, hey, come on. Let us do what still needs to be done, not just on your life, but through your life to minister to others. Some of the things, the suffering that you may be going through, the Lord is saying, call on me. Believe the report. Believe the report. My hand extended that very first verse. Who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? But it is to those that believe the report. I'm gonna believe in Jesus. Financially, health-wise, relationship, does not matter what storm you're in, the Lord will see you through. Praise God. Can we give the Lord a hand this morning? He is worthy, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I don't know what song, whether it's the second or third song, But uh, I know it always takes me. I I know you guys are a lot faster than I am in getting this thing off. But I'll get this uh, this first thing off. Top little tab takes the uh, the bread, the emblem. Why the bread? In Jesus, First Corinthians chapter eleven, verse twenty-three, as as I read earlier, it is His body that was broken for us, so that we can have healing in every regard, and the cup is his blood, a symbol, a representation, a reminder of his blood. It is not, listen, there are some denominations say it actually becomes the the, the body, and they, they don't usually have anybody drinking the blood. This is a reminder of who Jesus is and what he did for you, so you can have salvation from any situation. And if you... And especially if there's anybody here that needs to give their life to the Lord, and you are dying, might be physically, literally, or you you just know, hey, I am so far gone, the Lord Jesus wants to save you, save you from your sins, from your iniquities, and from the situation you might be in, that you would say, yes, I am a sinner. But Jesus, you took care of it on the cross. I believe it. I'm going to believe this report. As crazy as it may sound, I'm believing it. So confess it and believe it. I am a sinner, but Jesus took care of my sins on the cross 2,000 years ago, and he overcame. I believe that he rose again. Listen, he didn't stay down. It says, let me read it. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul unto death and he was numbered with the transgressors and he bore the sin of many many and made intercession for the transgressors. He has risen, he is alive. And the spoil goes out to us that we can have victory too. And to you that don't know the Lord, that you can come to the Lord at this time as you believe on him, as you confess your sin. So Lord, for those that uh, need to make a shift in where their faith was at, Let it be done this morning. And Lord, that it would not waver. Lord, I know there's, Lord, I know at times that my, my faith will waver. But Lord, that it would be strong even as you intercede for us in the storms. As our faith is wavering, you intercede for us to make it through, Lord God, that we say, yes, my faith will remain in you, Lord Jesus. And you will take us from the storm. So Lord, for those that have faith that's wavering, Lord, it's coming back on you at this time, and what you did for us for every aspect of our lives. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, let it be. Hallelujah. Thanks for joining us for the sermon. We really hope that God spoke to your life. You can find more of the Word of God by watching our service live stream and listening to our podcast on our website, LighthouseNiagara.com.